We're in Galatians chapter 2. And last time I covered quite a chunk. Uh, I covered Galatians chapter 1 verse 1 all the way through to verse chapter 2 verse 10. I covered quite a chunk, right? So today we're going to just take four verses. Just take four verses. Say hallelujah. <laughs> okay. We're just going to uh, short passage of scripture. And I want to draw a few thoughts from that. But you know what? Let me read from chapter 2 verse 1 onwards just to get a little bit of a flow here, right? Um, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and, uh, that God had given me and set before them, though privately before those who, were, who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had run in vain. What's happening here? If you remember... Uh, God has gotten through to Saul. God has gotten through to Saul. Saul, whose name then is turned to Paul. God's met him on the road to Damascus. He's changed his life. He's made, made him uh, uh, now not only a follower, but uh, a servant of God. Paul has responded accurately. And now Paul goes away quietly for three years to Arabia, where he lets the message sink in. He gets to know his savior. He rescripts re his entire uh, life uh, vision and plans and goals he begins to understand the grace of God that has been given to him he begins to live it out and start make starts making adjustments to his own life after three years he visits Peter sorry Paul <clears throat> yeah he visits Peter and he kind of uh, checks on the guys over there back in Jerusalem and he uh, kind of wants to be on the same page with them so he clarifies a few things we talked about this last week and then he goes back now 14 years later, 14 years later, he is now meeting Peter again. So he's gone back to Jerusalem uh, and he's meeting, P or rather, uh, Peter is coming from Jerusalem with a bunch of people. He's meeting them again and we are just entering into that little uh, discourse that he has. Again, Paul is very strong. He's coming on with a very strong thing over here. And we're going to find out about what uh, uh, Paul's problem is but pa Paul seems to have a problem with Peter we want to uh, listen in on this little conversation take some lessons from it and walk away uh, so that's where we are at so Galatians chapter 2 uh, verse 3 but even Titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised though he was a Greek yet because of false brothers who was secretly brought in, slipped in to spy out our freedom that we uh, have in Christ so that they may bring us back into slavery. You remember this from last week. Verse 7, on the contrary, when they saw that I had entrusted, had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, Peter, who had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, that's the Jews, and along with the other guys, they gave their right hand of fellowship. Verse 9, gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, sent us on our way, and we to the Gentiles, they to the Jews, and they only said, please do remember the poor, because that's the heart of the Lord Jesus uh, in doing so. Now, verse 11. When Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, right? When he came, they met up again, now after quite a bit of time. When Peter came to Antioch, he says, I opposed him to his face. I opposed him to his face. Paul, come on, man. There's got to be more to talk about. You're meeting after such a long time. Uh, there's got to be more to talk about. There's got to be like a witness of all the things that God has done in your life and ministry. Let's hear about Peter. What's happening back in Jerusalem? How's the church growing? Is the Sunday school growing? How's things happening? Uh, as soon as you meet him, boom, you go straight to the point. 
uh, and you correct him. What's going on here? What is your problem, Paul, with Peter? But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Because he stood condemned. Here the problem is that Paul finds that Peter has done something wrong and that wrongdoing was justified in the sense that he, he, he was, it was validated. What Peter was doing was very wrong. And when he saw when that there was something wrong in a brother's life, I repeat slowly, and when he saw that there was something wrong in a brother's life, he had to say something. He had to say something. You know, now there are people in church, there are people in the world, there are people in our, in our uh, acquaintances, amongst our acquaintances, who have a habit of going around pointing fingers at everybody. They have a habit of finding fault with everybody. In most cases, when they're pointing fingers at everybody, what they're trying to do is cover up for their own guilt, cover up for their own... Uh... But there is a place, there is a ministry, there is a time to see what's wrong in a, in a brother's life and to bring that to light. There is not only a time, but there is also a right way to do that. Not only is there a time and a right way, but there is also a need to do that. Because if you and I can't correct each other, if you and I can't give each other the love, the trust and the margin to come into my life and correct what's wrong in my life, then I don't I, I, then I'm not, I'm not living safely. I'm living dangerously. If I cut everybody off from my life, if I cut off my small group members, family members, others who love Jesus and who are close to Christ and are committed to living for Christ, if, we cut, if I cut them off simply because I don't want accountability, simply because I don't want people to point fingers or even know what's wrong in my life. I'm living dangerously. I'm living in a way where I will not know when I have gone too far. I will not know when I have gone too far. Brothers and sisters, that's the message for this morning. That's it. The main thing we want to learn here this morning is number one, on one side, the courage to confront. I need to have people in my life who have the courage to confront me, who have the courage and the margin and the invitation to come into my life and say, brother, this is not right. This is not like Jesus. This is not okay. And if you stay this in this direction, if you keep going with this, it's going to destroy you and your ministry. It's going to destroy the impact that your life and testimony is having. Why would you allow one thing in your life to destroy all the goodness of the rest of your life and the ministry of your life? So if you can't see it, brother, I can see it. Can I tell you, please? Sister, I can see it. Can I tell you, please? Number one, we need the courage to confront. We need people who uh, have, have an invitation, have a welcome to come into our life and to, uh, and to correct us. You'd only do that if you want correction. If you'll only do that if you're open to correction. We're going to see in a minute whether Peter was open to it or not. On the other side, we need the humility we call that teachability and we, we, we need the humility and we need teachability. We need to be humble and we need to be teachable. So we need a Paul who can say what's right and we need a Peter who can accept what's wrong. Are you with me?
We need to be appalled sometimes who can say and tell when something is wrong or tell what's right. And we need to be like Peter sometimes to be humble and to be teachable. That is a healthy sign of a community that's walking with Christ. It's the healthy sign. We accept correction in our professional life, in our academic life, in our economical life, in our, in our financial life. We accept correction in our medical life. We would go to a doctor and a doctor will say, this is not right. You need to change this or you need to change this medicine or you need to change this behavior or change this habit. And we accept correction there. The only area we really struggle to allow accountability and to allow loving people to step into our life is the area of spiritual life. It's the area of character. And that extends to parenting. Oh, don't tell people how to parent their children. Oh, that's sacred ground. Don't tell people, you know, how to run their own lives. That's sacred ground. If we live like that, we are probably living dangerously. So we need a, to be a Paul sometimes and we need to be a Peter sometimes. What is he saying over here? Let me take you back to uh, Galatians chapter 2. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Let's get into the problem. What was his problem? He says, for before certain men came from James. Okay, where was James? James is back in Jerusalem. Before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. This is both funny and very, very sad. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritely along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Let's break this down. Okay. Even Barnabas was led astray by his hypocrisy. Here's what's happening. Paul is confronting Peter on one simple thing. He's saying, Peter, you're being a hypocrite. Peter, you're being a hypocrite. Now you understand, Peter, that Jesus died for us. You understand that Jesus has washed us clean. And by faith in Christ, you have now got salvation. You have now got forgiveness. Not by Judaism, not by uh, the, obeying the law, not by being all you know, facetious and pharisaical and whatnot. It's you, you, you know that you have been justified by faith. He's going to talk about that in the following passage in verse 15 onwards, right? He says, you know, the gospel, you know, the, the tenets of the gospel. So how can you be a hypocrite? Oh, well, Peter, how, how was Peter being a hypocrite? Well, when, uh, when things were normal and everything was before the guys came with James from Jerusalem, he was sitting you see that in verse 12? He was eating with Gentiles. He was eating with Gentiles. Ooh, that, that, that's not something Jews would have done. Especially that's not something Pharisees would have done. The rabbis and the, and the, and the spiritual leaders, they would not mix with regular people. Now, do you remember that Peter had a vision? Peter had a vision. There was this big bedsheet that came in from, the, from, from, from above. And there were all these animals, unclean animals to the Jewish, uh, to the Jewish eye. And Peter was like, no, 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 no. And, and God was saying, eat. And he was like, no, 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 they're unclean. Eat. And God was basically telling him, he says, I have redeemed everybody. Everyone is equal. No one is unclean. Go to all. Go to everyone. And Peter who was continuing to be the apostle, the sent one to the Jews, had to understand that there needed to be a ministry to the Gentiles. I'm going to say that again. I hope you got it. Peter, who was in the Jewish realm, 
He was in, in Jerusalem. He's the one who's running the Jewish church. Uh, he's the one who's primarily dealing with the Jewish audience. He had to recognize and come to terms with the fact that there needed to be a Paul and there needed to be a ministry to all the Gentiles. Now, he did come to know that because he understood the vision. And then he went over to Cornelius. Do you remember that? He went over to uh, and he met with, with Gentiles and he saw that God was taking the grace of God to Gentiles. He was taking the salvation. To, oh, yeah. Peter was like, yes, gospel to the whole world. And he's like, we're all equal. We're one family. And if you read Peter's, Peter's epistles, oh, he really got it. In the end, he got it. But here's a senior leader and this younger guy comes in, Paul comes in with all his riffraff and all of his certificates and all of his, uh, you know, his cool shades and everything. And he comes in and he's telling him he's wrong. But look at Peter's uh, uh, response to the whole thing. Peter was sitting there. Let's find out first what Peter did wrong. He was sitting there and he's having his Burger King and his other fries and they're sharing the ketchup and they're having a great time with all the Gentiles. Okay. And then James walks in. James comes in from Jerusalem with a bunch of Jews. So there are there's Peter with a bunch of Jews here. And then there's James coming in with another bunch of Jews. Right. And here's where peer pressure is at its worst. <laughs> here's where peer pressure is at its worst. So Peter's all cool. Paul's there. We are cool with the Gentiles. We are all one in Jesus. Hallelujah. All the other Jews are also eating Burger King with the fries and with the, and they're sharing their, their chips and their, and their ketchup and everything. And everything's cool. And suddenly the door creaks open. James walks in from, from uh, uh, Jerusalem and a bunch of other Jews. Guess what Peter did? Peter slowly pushed his chair back. And he's like, I'll just go get a, I'm just going to grab a cup of coffee and I just get, and then he took off and he went over there and then he never came back to his seat. He never came back to his seat. He's gone. And Paul is watching all of this and he finds out that Peter has gone and sat with the Jews. He's gone and settled with the Jews over there. And now he's not, he's not, he's ignoring the Gentiles slightly, you know? You know how you have some Gentiles in our church? Uh, you know, they, you're there. They're in our church. They're okay. They're part of our general. They also come to our church. We also come to our church. But you know, and there is this hypocrisy that came out of fear, fear of the new Jewish bunch that had come and just walked in because they were wearing jeans, you know, Levi's uh, Jews. Anyway, they, 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 there was that hypocrisy. There was that peer pressure and an unnecessary. And here's the key word. I don't, I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. Look at verse, uh, verse 13. Verse 13. You know, we go hard on Peter here. But he says, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritely, underlined along with him. See, not only when you do wrong, as a leader, when you do wrong, you influence others as well. Others are also influenced and you take people with you when leaders. And I don't just mean pastors, but anybody who's an influencer, when leaders act wrongly, it always influences the community. So if you don't correct leaders, comma, if leaders are not open to correction, comma, if leaders don't have accountability, comma, if leaders don't say sorry openly and correct their behavior, 
it is going to affect the rest of the community. It is going to affect other people. And there will be a bunch of people who will do the same thing. Now, Paul didn't yell at everybody. Paul didn't correct everybody. Paul corrected Cephas. Go back to verse 11. When Cephas came to Antioch, he, I opposed him because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from Jerusalem, from, from James, he was eating with Gentiles. But when they drew back and uh, when, when they came, he, they, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Fearing the circumcision party. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritely along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy even Barnabas so now you have a third generation so first Peter is doing what that which is hypocritical then all the rest of the Jews sitting with him were also doing that which was hypocritical they also got up and went and sat on the other side of the cafeteria and now Barnabas who came with Paul Barney he came with Paul he was like he also I'm going there and he quietly went over there. And everybody wants to not offend anybody else. No, I don't, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend the people that I'm looking up to. I don't want to be offensive. I don't want to cross lines. I don't want to be open about the fact that I'm a Christian now. I, I'm, a, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Christian. And now everybody is equal. Everybody is together. We are all fellowshipping together. I, 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 I don't want to give in. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, these are the moments when it really shows that we are one church. These are the moments where we really, it really shows that God has called all nations, all skin colors, all languages, all uh, 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 demographics. He has called all kind of financial uh, uh, statuses. He's called the rich and the poor together. He's called the black and the white. He's called the, uh, the poor and the... He's called everyone together. And we are one. We are one. And if we are ashamed to relate to some people simply because of what others whom we appreciate or whom, whose Instagram we follow, if we are afraid of what they will think of us, then we are losing sight that Jesus is the head of the church and we are the body. We're losing sight that Jesus is the head of the church. So that's what Paul had a problem with Peter. Two things. First of all, Paul had the courage to confront and he corrected Peter in front of everybody. He corrected Peter in front of everybody. When he corrected in front of everybody, who was the everybody? The other Jews who were also doing it. So they didn't take it personally. Peter took the hit. Leaders will always take the hit. But then once a leader corrects himself, the others also corrected themselves. He ate with Gentiles, but quickly jumped tables when the Jews showed up. And the rest of the Jews also hypocritically followed him. Verse 14, but, but, he says, when I saw this, look at verse 14. But when I saw this, I saw their behavior. That it was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Break it down. Don't assume you've understood the English. Break it down. Circle but. There's two buts here. Verse 11 and verse uh, 14. But when I saw their conduct. That's the moment. Don't wait. Don't think about it. Don't feel. Who am I? Who am I to correct other people? 
I am also a sinner. I, am a, I, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be uh, come across as condemning. Who am I to tell anybody else how to live, live their lives? Paul says, when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. There you go. There you go. There you go. That's what it's about. It's not about you. You're not correcting your brother and sister because of you. You're not correcting because you're right and they're wrong. Because you're better and they're worse. Because you're holy and they're not. You're correcting them because you love somebody and that somebody has gone off step with the truth of the gospel. With the truth of the gospel. You don't want them to go off track. You want them to stay off track. Why? Because the safest thing for a brother or sister in Christ is to stay on track, stay uh, in fellowship with Christ. So why do we correct? Why do we correct? We correct because we love you enough to want you to stay on track. When do we correct? When we see that you are going away from the truth of the gospel. How do we correct? By knowing what the gospel is. And we talked about this last week. When you know what the gospel is, then you can correct others. And when you correct others, you correct them in, in reference point, in, 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 in correlation to the gospel and not to yourself. I don't correct you so that you'll be like me. I don't correct you because I'm better than you. Oh, I'm not. In fact, I'm hoping that you will correct me tomorrow when you see that I am out of line. Am I making sense here? Does this make sense? If we all have the courage to confront, if we all have the courage to correct one another, then everybody stays in line with the gospel. If everybody stays in line with the gospel, then the gospel will have a greater impact because we have more genuine people. What is the number one uh, complaint about believers, about Christians in the world today? What is the number one complaint? They're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Why are children not wanting to follow the ways of their parents? Hypocrisy. Why are teenagers going away, running away, turning away from church? Hypocrisy. We don't want to, we don't want, we don't have the courage to correct. And that's because, let me explain why we don't correct. That's because we think we have to be an authority in that area before we correct. That we have to be right in all and there'll be no fault against us then we correct. Because that's what your teenager is going to turn to you and say. That's what your uh, wayward brother and sister is going to turn to you and say. Who are you to correct me? Look at the things in your life. As if you are any good. Who made you saint? That's the problem. Because we are fearful of that. Because we are scared that it's going to be pitted against, whether, about, against us and our track record. We say, you know, better I just let them do themselves. I do. I am also not holy or also not holy. No, 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 that's not love. That's not love. We correct out of love. When you correct your children, you correct out of love. It's not because you want them to feel horrible. When we correct our family, we correct out of love. In the, in the church of Jesus Christ, in the family of Christ, we correct because, number one, we have the courage to confront. Number two, the, every one of us needs to be humble and teachable. Humble and teachable. So verse 11, see, uh, Peter is in Antioch. And Paul opposes him. Verse 12, the guys show up from, from Jerusalem and then this hypocrisy happens. Verse 13, we find that a leader leads others, influences others. And even Barnabas himself was led astray by their hypocrisy. So it, it, it moves fast. 
It moves fast. Bad character moves fast. Verse 14. But when I saw, I brought this to a standstill. I confronted it right away. I fixed the problem immediately. And then we were all able to enjoy our burger and cheese and cake and everything. Can you imagine the whole situation after Paul had corrected everybody and Peter had taken it and then now they were all one big happy family and we were all able. See, that's what happens. That's what happens. Brother and sister, to get to a comfortable place, we need to be willing to go through an uncomfortable place. To get to a place of strength, we need to go through our weaknesses. We need to face our weaknesses. To get deeper in our relationships, we need to be, we need to be willing to work through the problems. Many marriages today are falling apart because we're not willing to confront. Because we don't have the humility to accept faults. Because we don't have the teachability that we could make things better. Many relationships and families and, and, and marriages are falling apart simply because of this one thing. We need to be a Paul to have the courage to confront. We need to be a Peter to be humble and teachable. And we need to correct based on conviction. We need to correct based on correction. To have the courage of conviction. Why did I hammer in, yes, last time, why did I hammer in the whole issue of the gospel? Because once you know the gospel, you know what the truth is all about. Then we are able to bring people in line with the truth. So Paul didn't say, hey, Peter, you're wrong. Paul said, this is not in line with the gospel. The gospel says, that we are all justified equally, then why are you treating each other unequally? Simple. And Paul goes on to then explain justification and that gives us a chance to understand justification in the following verses in verse 15 onwards, which we, which we will pick up next week. So next, next week, come prepared to understand this big word called justification and understand what Paul teaches out of that given situation. What Paul teaches out of that given situation. So truth is our bedrock. Truth is our foundation as a congregation, as an as a family. May the Lord bless his word this morning. Father God, thank you so much for your for your presence through this time as we've looked at your word. I pray, Father, that we would understand these two very precious truths. Number one, that you have called us and that you have freed us to not only be right, but to make right. I pray that we would have the humility to let people into our lives to correct us. Uh, we would not cut people off, keep a distance, build walls around us so that people don't hold us accountable. Father God, we need to live a life of accountability. Teach us to number our days that we may present to God a heart of wisdom. Search us, O God. See if there be any wicked way in us. Try us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Renew a right spirit within us, O God. Wash us clean and then we will uh, show sinners the path of righteousness. Father God, we are not perfect. We are broken. But at the same time, we have been made perfect in Christ. And we are called to love on each other for this purpose. Oh God, make us a community that is genuine, not fake. Make us a community that's not hypocritical. Make us a community that loves uh, audaciously, loves sacrificially, uh, even in this matter. Lord, continue to be with each and every one of our people, especially those who are lonely, those who are going through sadness or, or, or anxieties. 
Some are struggling with tremendous amount of anxiety. Lord, be with them. Uh, minister to them. Strengthen them, O oh God. Show your strength, O oh God. Show your strength in each and every uh, home, in each and wherever we are. We're spread across the world right now, Lord. Be with everyone, O oh God. And I don't just mean in a, in a loving and a, a protective way, but let them know your presence. Let them experience your presence, O oh God. This week, O oh God, give, bring us to the word. Enable us to spend time in prayer. Enable us to be prayerful through the week. Enable us to open the word and let the word confront us. Let the word do its work in our lives. Lord, if there's any anger or bitterness, open a valve somewhere that it may leak out. If there's any pride and haughtiness, open that valve, let it leak out. Fill us, Lord, with Christ. Pour Christ into us and allow us to give each other Jesus. Thank you, Father God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson. And if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you can do it. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below. But let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe.